Parakaleya podcast. The goal is to comfort hurting people through scripture. I'm Cedric Chippendale, and in my last podcast I spoke about 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7, where Paul instructs the church to comfort someone who has been disciplined because of his sin. And he says the period of discipline is now over. So comfort him, lest somehow such a person be swallowed up by excessive grief. And what Paul is doing is quoting an idiom that says there's a great danger that someone who would be overcome with grief as to the point where he will despair or even good give up. And so the goal of this podcast really is to parakaleo in the Greek means to come alongside someone and to comfort him. And the question that comes to mind is how does God comfort his people? How does God provide comfort? Through the scriptures. And this is very clear in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 to 8 where the angel is being instructed or a messenger is being instructed by God with these words. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her a hard service has been completed and her sins have been paid for, for she has received from the Lord's hands double for her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. And the rough ground has become level, and the rugged places a plain. For the glory of God will be revealed, and all mankind will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fall because the breath of the Lord blows upon them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord or the word of God stands forever. This is a unique portion of scripture where God is giving instructions to the messenger. One has to presume the messenger here is the prophet Isaiah. God is looking over the land of Jerusalem or the land of Palestine or Jerusalem, which was once the promised land. It was now devastated, broken, destroyed by the invading armies of the Babylonians who have come and have taken the most talented young men and young people captive and placed them in the kingdom of the Babylonians. What remained behind was a remnant, small portion of the people of Israel. They were widows, they were orphans, and the widows have suffered loss because their sons and their husbands has not returned home, in that they were killed by the Babylonians, the invading armies of the Babylonians. And the orphans were left orphaned as a result of their invasion under a man called King Nebuchadnezzar. The people of Israel now was scratching among the dumps, looking for food. The broken walls of Jerusalem has been broken down, or the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down. The temple has been destroyed, and what remained of a once proud and glorious nation 
is now broken and dispersed. The Israelites were unique in the sense that they had a covenantal relationship with God and that they had a special relationship with God that they enjoyed the the Lord's protection, they enjoyed the Lord's provision, enjoyed the Lord's presence among them. Uh, In Exodus chapter 20, as they were departing from the land of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai, where Moses was summoned up by God to go up into the mountain where God would give him and the nation of Israel the first five books in the Bible or the Torah or the law, which contained the Ten Commandments. And in that, at that time, Israel went into a covenantal relationship with God. They promised that they would honor him, they would serve him, they'd be committed to him. And then as they would settle into the promised land, God promised that he would bless them with his presence, he would bless them with his provision, and he would bless them with his protection. But there was one requirement, they would remain faithful to him. They would continue to serve him and to honor him. It wasn't long before the Israelites forgot all about the commitment they made to the Lord, and they quickly took after the worship of the pagan nations, or copied the worship of the pagan nations around them. They forgot about the Lord. They worshipped other gods. And over a long period of time, God sent his prophets to call his people back into a relationship with him. And God said through the prophets, whether it was Jeremiah or Isaiah, he called to them and says, If you don't return to me, I will take you out of the land. I will put you into a foreign land. And you will no longer enjoy my protection, my presence, or my blessing. And so in Isaiah chapter 40, the unthinkable has happened. The once proud nation of Israel is now dispersed all over the Babylonian kingdom at the time. And in this portion of scripture, God is, as it were, looking down from heaven and is looking at the devastation that was left behind by the Babylonians. His heart is broken, he is concerned, and he cries out to the people around him, that is the angels, and he says, comfort my people. And so the word here for comfort is mentioned twice, which means that God is serious about the command. Whenever the Bible speaks about comfort, he speaks about God's intervention to help and restore. The word comfort here in the Hebrew often meant the idea of coming alongside someone in order to help the person and to restore the person. For example, in Genesis chapter 37 verse 35, the sons of Jacob comes home with bad news. They tell Jacob that his favorite son, Joseph, has been killed by wild animals which wasn't true. They showed the um, the cloak of Joseph to his father, which was covered in blood, and Joseph was a broken man. And so his sons and daughters in chapter, Genesis chapter 35, Genesis chapter 37, 35, it says, all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. They, or in Job chapter 2, verse 11, after Job suffered loss, the loss of his health, the loss of his children and the loss of his wealth. His friends came and in Job chapter 2 verse 11 says, and they made an appointment together to come and mourn with 
him, that is Job, and comfort him. So they came to come alongside him and with their words to restore him and to comfort him. And here God is using the same term. The term here in Hebrew means nachanu, which means to comfort someone. That God is saying when he sees the devastation that was left behind by the Babylonians. His heart is broken and he says, go and comfort my people. And here it means God is willing and ready to intervene in order to help his people. That in the midst of their pain and in the midst of their loss and in the midst of their grief, God cries out, he says, comfort my people, comfort my people. And so the question I ask is how does God comfort his people? How does God provide comfort based on this passage to those of us who are in pain? And in this passage, we have a few clues in verse 2. God comforts his people by speaking tenderly to their hearts. Verse 2. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her a heart service has been completed. Whenever the Bible speaks about Speaking tenderly, in the Old Testament specifically, it means to admonish someone. The last thing someone in pain needs is a counsel that says you need to examine yourself to find out where you have sinned. It's a counsel that has murdered more people than motivated them. Because the thinking in our culture today is that great suffering is a result of great sin. Or... Great tragedy is a result of great transgression. And nothing could be further from the truth. Here God is saying to the people of Israel, you have suffered enough. Even though you have walked away from me, and even though I have brought upon you what I promised because of your rebellion, I see you in pain and I want someone to comfort you by speaking tenderly to your heart. For example, in Genesis chapter 34, verse 3, a man by the name of Shechem, the son of Amor, sees Danah, the daughter of Jacob, and he fell in love with her. And the Bible says he spoke to her heart. When David was mourning the loss of his son, Absalom, he's heartbroken and he's crying, he's mourning. And his friend and head of the army come to him and says to him, and that is Joab says to him, Now therefore arise, go out and speak kindly to your servants. Other words, speak to their heart, speak tenderly to them. Whenever God gives the command to speak tenderly to someone, it's the purpose of this speaking tenderly is to move someone who was paralyzed by their circumstances and to take heart and to believe. And the message from the angels or the messenger of God, is to tell the people of Israel his anger has been dissipated, but he has not abandoned his people because he's very much in love with them. In Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, Then you will say on that day, I will give thanks to you, O God, although you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. And the message of the Bible is that God is no longer angry with us because Jesus Christ took our punishment on the cross. And now he is free to speak tenderly to our hearts. And the last 
thing a person in pain needs to hear is that you need to confess your sin because God is punishing you. Based on this passage, God is saying your time of punishment has come to an end. And so in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28 to 29, he says, Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the heavens on the earth, he neither faints nor is he weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and those who have no might increase the strength. The message here is that if you are in pain, God provides comfort by speaking tenderly to your hearts. He is speaking words of encouragement that this is not all that there is, that the time of mourning will come to an end, the time of pain will cease, and that there will come a time where God will comfort his people by speaking tenderly to their hearts. And so here God says to the messenger, you go ahead and comfort my people. How do you do this? By speaking tenderly to their hearts. The Lord has given us his Holy Spirit that is indwelling our hearts. In the midst of our circumstances and pain, it may seem that we are paralyzed by it. But God comes alongside us, parakaleo, and he speaks tenderly to our hearts. The second way in which God provides comfort to his people, not only by speaking tenderly to their hearts, he comforts his people by intervening in their lives. The voice of one calling, prepare in the desert the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places a plain. God sends his messenger with a message that says, I will intervene in their lives. Is that God has forgiven his people and he has made a resolution that he will deliver them. And now the word of comfort says, cry comfort. And it's immediately followed by prepare. That God will turn their lamentation into shouts of joy. That God, who is the Lord of history, who exalts the humble and brings down the mighty, will intervene in history. And the time will come in Israel's history that God would lead them back into the promised land, what is called the second exodus. And it will happen under two prophets. The prophet Ezra, after 70 years, would lead the people back into Jerusalem. And then under Nehemiah, they would rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And at one point in time, God says, In the midst of your circumstances, I will intervene in your life and in your history, and I will restore you back to the promised land. In the same way, we as God's people, though we are not promised to go back to a physical promised land, we're looking forward to a time where God will intervene in our history, when Christ will come again. And the Bible says he will wipe away every tear. And the time of mourning and the time of lamentation will come to an end. And that cry of pain will be turned into a cry of joy. God who intervened in history back then in the Old Testament, he has intervened in history in the New Testament 
because in for because in Philippians chapter two verse six to eight, Paul reminds the church there that about Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, and being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even to death on the cross. We know that in the Old Testament, God intervened by leading the people back into the promised land. In the New Testament, God intervened in history by sending Jesus Christ to take on the form of the man, form of a man, and to die on the cross. And we're looking forward again to the end times where God will once again intervene in history and change the cause on which we are on. And He will turn our lamentations, our crying and mourning into shouts of joy. If you and I, and if you find yourself asking yourself, how does God comfort His people? He comforts us by intervening in our lives. We're looking forward to a day where God will say the time for mourning is over because mourning has a time limit and God will intervene in some way, in some miraculous way and change your mourning and change your weeping and pain into shouts of joy. God comforts his people by, number one, speaking tenderly to their hearts. God comforts his people by intervening in their lives. Prepare the way for the Lord. And there's a third way in which God comforts His people, based on this passage. He comforts His people by using the Word of God. Verse 6, A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? Here's the message. All men are like grass, and all the glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flower falls, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. One has to remember that the people who are listening to this original prophecy are looking around them, and they are seeing mighty, a mighty empire led by King Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonian Empire was a magnificent empire. And from their perspective, it seemed as if these men and this empire is going to exist forever. And God said, from my perspective, that which seems so permanent is nothing more than grass. They're talking about a phenomena that happens in the Palestinian region where the grass is green in the morning. And there's a hot wind that blows over the grass. And two days later, that lush green grass is turned into brown grass and useless. And God says that which seems so permanent when compared to God's word is mere temporary. It has a time limit. The Israelites at this point in time have witnessed the very thing that gave them a sense of identity been taken away from them. Uh, David wanted to build a great temple for the Lord, uh, but God wouldn't allow him, and Solomon built the temple. And it was a magnificent temple. 
and in it was this great wall. The arrangement was very impressive. And inside was the utensils made of gold. The pillars were covered with gold uh, lining. Uh, it had fantastic decorations. In the temple was the high the priesthood that was put together under Aaron. And the Israelites prided themselves on having this unique feature called the temple. And from the temple, they derived their identity. The Babylonians have come and the temple has been stripped of all its glory. The gold, the utensils were taken into Babylonia and everything that they have once placed a confidence in, the priesthood, the temple, the worship of God through the temple, that has now disappeared. And the only thing that remained is the word of God. And so God reminds them, even though the temple has been taken away, and even though the priesthood structure is no longer there, there's one thing that will never change, is that the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of God stands forever. If there's anything that gives us a sense of security in a world that is uncertain, in a world that is taken adrift by the many movements in our history. The only thing that gives us a sense of anchor is the Word of God. And God comforts us through His Word. The point of this podcast is to remind people God has spoken and He did not stutter. And in His Word, there is words of comfort to those who are in pain. Many people give us nice, poetic, sounding cliches. But the thing that makes the biggest impact in the lives of God's people is the knowledge that God can comfort us through His Word. That which seems so permanent has a time limit. But the only thing that does not have the time limit, and that is God's Word. There's only two things that God will take away from this soiled place called earth. His people and His Word. And God has comforted us through His Word. So imagine the picture. The Israelite and the nation of Israel is in ruins. That which was once great and beautiful and long-lasting has been replaced with widows that are mourning the loss of their husbands and sons, orphans that have lost both their parents, scrounging around looking for food to eat. God sees the scene, the once great and proud and powerful nation is now scattered and broken. And he says these words, comfort my people. How does God comfort his people? He comforts them by speaking tenderly to their hearts. He comforts us by intervening in our lives. He comforts us through his word. Comfort my people, says God. Speak tenderly to their hearts. Make the way in the desert. God will intervene. And lastly, the grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. He comforts us through his word. Therefore, comfort my people. Comfort my people. He speaks to our heart. He intervenes in our lives and he uses his word.